Come on, let's give Jesus one more praise. Can we do that? Let's give him some more. I said to Pastor Donald, I said, would you start traveling with me? Every time I'm at CT Church, every time I'm at Mercy Gate, every time I'm at Faith, every time I'm in Houston, God tells me that there's coming an outpouring. Two years ago, we launched back on the road full time after a season of pastoring in Birmingham where we kept traveling. And the Lord told me that in May of 2012, something would happen. Two years ago, Wednesday, is when we launched back out because the I was flying home from Singapore and the Lord spoke to me and he said, it's time. Took a season to pastor because I had quit loving people. It's easy as an evangelist to do that. Well, that just scared you. I got that transparent, didn't it? During the season of pastoring, he restored my love for people. The deep things of God. I I must share, I, I will tell you this. All kinds of stuff on the table back there. DVDs of brand new message called Weeping Lions and Roaring Lambs. and DVD series. Um, you, you'll see thousands getting rocked. I don't know if you've ever heard a thing called The Ramp. But it's from The Ramp. and uh, Seeing God do something there. My wife's message is Karen travels the world speaking. She brings you greeting. I think she's watching that she's at home with Nate's fiance getting ready for the, the wedding this Friday. And I... I uh, wish you'd go online at Target and buy them something so I won't have to. Our Taken series, How to Defend Your Faith Against... Oh, there, I just saw my wife. I just had a major lust issue go on just then. I told him this morning, it don't matter if you're ugly. As long as you're anointed, you get a hot wife. Amen? God takes care of us, man. I don't know what's wrong with you ladies, but... um, but all Karen's messages, women of purpose, uh, issues, it ain't over. It's a message she shares. It's back there on the table. But the Taken series, the rise of the preachers in the barren land, how to defend your faith, Christianity versus evolution, anti-church humanism, homosexuality and abortion, world religions. It's, it's all on our table back there. Everything on our table is, is half price if you'd like to check it out. I, I would that you'd open your Bibles to 2 Kings, the 19th chapter. I'm going to be transparent for a moment and tell you this is not what I had planned to preach on Wednesday of last week, just a few days ago. But I had to speak in Dallas on Saturday morning and do a graduation at uh, my son's church, at Trinity Church, and, and for their Christian school. And on my way down, I came to spend a couple days with him. And as I was driving, the closer I got to Texas, God began to speak to me. Then, then I got to Dallas, and I was out jogging. And when I jog, that's when God speaks to me. It's the most peculiar thing. He birthed my book when I was jogging. It's going to be coming out called Why Is God So Mad at Me? And the concept of the book is he's not mad at you. He's mad about you. But I must be careful tonight because this word as I was jogging, he began to speak to me knowing that it's Pentecost Sunday, but it's also Memorial Day. And I wonder how many people have died for Pentecost Sunday. 
And I'm out just jogging. And when I jog, I freak people out. I pray in tongues and I sound very Islamic. And, and, um, I do. It's weird. It's weird. I, they think I have a bomb. And, uh, I literally came around the corner at the hotel in Dallas and I didn't realize that the, the lady that I've gotten to know because I speak in Dallas a great deal and I stay at this one hotel, the lady that runs, it's a precious lady and an older lady and her name is Dawn. And as I come around the corner jogging, I'm praying out loud in tongues. And as I went right past her, she just looked at me and she said, come here, I need to be blessed. Would you lay hands on me? I said, well, I'm nasty. She said, it doesn't matter. So is my family. Oh, you ain't getting this yet. We're going we're gonna to have church tonight. But I want to warn you that contents, contents of this message is harmful to your flesh. Because I'm going to get real before we get really excited. So it's going to get real first because it's time to, to waken. God began to speak to me about this gathering as I was jogging. And he said to me, he stirred in my heart. He said, I'm not done with this nation, Pat. And some of you in the last couple of weeks have written it off. And he's calling out to those that will invite him in then will, are willing to go just a step higher. And he spoke to me as I was jogging and he said, I want you to speak a word simply titled remnant rising. So this has not been preached anywhere else. It's not on the table back there. It's, it's one that he began to speak to me because he began to burn in my spirit. I'm about to do something that we have not seen before. And he said, what, son, what if it was... What if it was tonight? I'm going to go to 2 Kings 19 in a moment. But first, I'm reminded of John, the third chapter, verse 14, when John the Baptist said, I can baptize you in water, but there's one that's coming to baptize you in Holy Ghost and fire. See, there's seasons where I feel really close, like a friend of the Holy Spirit. We sang, I am a friend of God. In my book, I wrote about that song holds a special place because years ago I had moved our ministry and our family to a location and really just kind of missed it. You know, the calling of God without the timing of God results in the absence of God. And, and I missed it on that one. And during that short season where we were located at with our ministry and our family, I, every day I had to listen to the song, I am a friend of God. So there's seasons where I feel really close to the Holy Spirit. Other times he maybe feels a bit like a distant relative, even though he lives inside of me. If you were to write a letter to the Holy Spirit, you'd mail it to yourself. You're not the Holy Spirit, but you're a temple, not a shack. You took the for sale sign down a long time ago. You've been bought with a price. So he inhabits your praises. He lives inside of you. He He's in there. So. But then there's other times where I feel him encompassing me. And for one year now, I felt that way. I love what my... Spiritual father, Pastor Reinhard Bonnke, said to me back in uh, January, we were riding in a car together in California, and he looks at me, and we were talking about the anointing, and this man goes to heaven. God takes him to heaven literally about three times a week in his sleep. In fact, after I met with him this last time, I went to my hotel room, and I said, Psst. I really did. I was, stop. He didn't answer. 
Pastor Bunky looked at me and he said, Pat, we must get a generation filled with the Holy Ghost. He said, this is the most vile generation that's ever lived. Turn on TV, turn on Jersey Shore, turn on any TV show and they'll drop any word. Their tongues are filthy. And he said, and if we're going to see Joel 228, if we're going to see Acts, the second chapter where the sons and daughters shall prophesy, the first thing we must do is get them saved and filled with the spirit. And see, the problem with that is in our church, we don't really want to do that because things might get out of hand. Judges 2.10 said And a whole generation grew up that knew neither God Nor what he had done for Israel We are one generation away from the extinction of Pentecost in this nation Reminded of last April when I was The tornadoes that came through the southeast And destroyed my brother's town Where he pastors an amazing uh, uh, Multicultural independent church Uh, It came through And I think something like a hundred families in his church Their homes were messed up And and then it came on up towards Birmingham And as the newscaster began to scream Get down, trustful where I live Get down, the the tornadoes are coming towards you 220 people lost their lives And and, and I think 10,000 homes were wiped out Or whatever And and I'm reminded as that tornado tornado came through and began to destroy and the newscaster was screaming get down get down so immediately being a redneck i ran outside to look at it and you know you're a redneck when you when you're standing there to see what you can see my wife came outside and said would you get in here i said oh look at it look at it the next day one of our Staff was at our house and right where I parked, uh, my vehicle, uh, all, all of a sudden he, 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 he had, uh, come over the house and a few things had fallen out of that tornado that went over and, and laying right there, just little things, but they're laying right there in my front yard. And there's a reason why I'm telling you that because since for one year now I've been messed up. In fact, it was the night that one of my heroes, David Wilkerson lost his life and that, 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 uh, and, and, and so I'm standing there in my front yard and there it laying where I park. Uh, was a little sheet of paper that had fallen out of a book. I later found out the book was written in 1974 by John Wolvern and and it's basically the book. And let me just say something to Elam Church. Thank you for being a part of this, for helping to host this. Pastor Neeson, I, I, I saw such a mantle on that man when he walked up here. I'm going somewhere. But all of a sudden, I, 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 I picked up this sheet of paper and I asked the young man that was in our yard. I said, where, where, where's that? He said, sir, I found it right there laying where you park. And I picked it up and I began to shake uncontrollably because it was just one sheet of paper. The only other thing I know that was found like this was uh, a few miles down the road. A, a little old lady found the old hymn in her front yard that had fallen out of the tornado as well from one of the churches that was destroyed. And, and it was just the old hymn. He's coming soon. So I'm standing in my front yard and I begin to shake uncontrollably because this sheet of paper was bent over, had fallen out of the tornado, and all it said was, topping even these disasters will come. And it described the book of Revelation. I began to shake. I, I went in the house. I couldn't talk. My wife came home. She said, what is wrong with you? And I just, I just held it. And she said, you need to go to your prayer room. She sends me to my room a lot. All of a sudden, I went up to my prayer room and I got on my knees and I said, what do you want me to do with this? The Lord began to speak to me and he said, I want you to tell them that we're running out of time. 
things will get worse. But tell them I'm going to pour out my spirit one more time. Could it be tonight? Let us pray. Father, in Jesus' name, pour out your spirit, Lord. Your word says in John chapter 14 that you did not leave us as orphans. Father, my little girl, my little gift from heaven that we adopted from China knows who her daddy is. And the problem with the church is we don't know who our father is. So, Lord, I pray that in Jesus' name you will pour out your spirit in such a way in the next few moments. Lord, I pray that I do not talk my way out of a move of God tonight. But instead, when you say get off the exit, I will get off the exit. Father, I pray that in just a moment people will understand the altars are open from this point on. I pray the floodgates floodgates of your glory fall in this room. Give us a taste of heaven, Father. We are living in an open heaven right now. God, you are not done with our nation. Father, you are weeping over the lost. And I pray that tonight the spirit of grace, mercy, power, and authority flow through this room and father i thank you for leaders that can come together lay down their titles and pick up a kingdom mantle and lord that is what's in this room thank you for those that have come the churches that are represented all the all the shepherds that are in the house tonight i pray they are refreshed father they are the ones carrying the mantle and lord i thank you that you'll trust me in jesus name and everyone say amen second kings the 19th chapter is where we're going The Bible says this, and this is the scripture he gave me as I was out, and he kept speaking this word to me. Now, follow me. I don't like to write a message and not first preach it to our school of ministry, because then they take it and make it better. That didn't happen this week. The Bible says in 2 Kings, the 19th chapter, verse 30, once more a remnant of the kingdom of Judah will take root below and bear fruit above. For out of Jerusalem will come a remnant, and out of Mount Zion, a band of survivors. Now, jogging, and he kept saying to me, Pat, this is prophetic of what I did in the upper room. For out of Jerusalem will come a remnant, out of Mount Zion, a band of survivors. Is there any survivors in this room? Anybody that should not be here? Anybody that, that, that the world should, that the world sees you and says, there ain't no way, but you can shout out Yahweh. Is there anybody in here that understands? Devil! You understand, devil, you didn't make me, you can't break me. Is there anybody, is there any survivors? Kept hearing the word remnant, so I looked it up on dictionary.com, and dictionary.com said a remnant, a remaining, what is left over, usually a small part. How many of you know in Revelation 3, he said, strengthen that which remains? It's a remnant. A fragment or a scrap, unsold, unused piece of cloth, (laughs) as at the end of a bolt. Would you watch this video that my team put together yesterday? Get ready.
tonight could be the night that in Houston, Texas, the remnant rises. I must first, number one, tell you about the anatomy of a remnant. And again, he just gave me this the last couple of days, but I began to study it because throughout history, he has raised up remnants. He's raised up groups that would not bow people that people that who still held the belief that that God could do anything he wanted. In Joel 228, it was prophesied. And afterward, I will pour my spirit out on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your, your young men will see visions. And even upon my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I looked up the word remnant in the Hebrew because you really can't preach to a group without having a Hebrew word and and what remains of a group of people after most of that group has been destroyed or lost through dispersal brought upon by judgment or the following of apostasy I begin to think about that oh my goodness we're living in a day and age where tonight this is kind of rare people don't do this anymore i can remember when 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 i was a boy when sunday nights where you got rocked by the holy ghost it's the place where you you had an outpouring it's a place where things happened it's the place where things were changed but god says i'm looking for a band of survivors in this room all through his word and i'm going to go quickly so listen listen closely because i got to get to the altar the altar is the raised platform made of wood stone or steel in which something brought forth to die upon we must have an altar experience so the fire can't come can i tell you i am so tired of preaching in places that want me to preach with a feather not a sword i'm so tired of going to churches that want father son and holy scripture i'm so tired for some reason i get invited to a lot of places once A couple weeks ago, I was at a place, and or several weeks ago, and I was at a place of one of the, one of the largest churches in America. And they said to me, uh, of this certain denomination, they said to me, "We don't give altar calls." And I said, "Okay." And I said, "But I need to warn you that God's going to move." So I got done sharing what I had to share in that particular service on that Sunday morning in that particular city. And, and I went to walk over to the executive pastor and I just handed him the mic and people started running to the altars and they didn't know what to do because till two o'clock we had a move of God. It amazes me how we want a move of God in our 71 minute services. It just amazes me because we're definitely not going to cast any demons out because that takes 10 more minutes. And so you, you got to understand we're we're not really going to see those things happen. So we would rather just keep we just rather keep putting lipstick on demons and saying, welcome to church. God's word speaks of the remnants. Look at Amos chapter 5 verse 15. Hate evil, love good, then work it out in the public square. Maybe God, the God of the angel armies, will notice your remnant and be gracious. Just started looking it up a couple days ago. Isaiah 10, 21. A remnant will return. Uh, 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 will return. A remnant of Jacob will return to the mighty God. All through his word, he speaks of remnants. Different prophets spoke of a remnant. A remnant is a rag in the hand of God sent to clean up the messes. Because of some of the stands that he's forcing me to make right now. I, I, I told my, my team the other day, it's about to get dangerous for us. I'm always amazed. I can go to Singapore and I had a man show up in a service a few months ago to kill me in Singapore. And one of our staff who's here, God told him that on the way there. Somebody's going to try to kill Pat. He didn't tell me. Middle of preaching to 
hundreds or thousands of people and all of a sudden there's this demon possessed man right there but thank god it's singapore because they are ninjas they will take you out But what I love is in this Anglican church, the Assemblies of God churches, the Baptist churches overseas, they don't question whether or not we should speak with other tongues. It's a part of the culture. They just believe that it's just part of salvation. How many of you know when you get saved, it's like buying a new pair of shoes. The tongues come with it. See, I... That's stupid, isn't it? But it's funny. Micah 5, 7 through 8, the remnant of Jacob will be in the midst of many peoples like dew from the Lord, like showers on the grass, which do not wait for anyone or depend on man. Love that verse. I want to be a part of a group, even if it's a small group, because every great revolution starts with a small group that are willing to say enough is enough, that are willing to march the gates of the city and say we've had enough. I'm going to hear I'm here to tell you something. It could happen. It could happen in Houston. Driving down the highway, the freeway a while back, Karen was coming to speak here to women's gathering. I began to hear the cries of children. It was the weirdest thing. I'm in a car and I, I look back at my little girl who's in the back seat. I thought maybe it was a toy or something like that. She was sound asleep. And I said, Karen, I hear the cries of babies. And I looked over and I'm looking at Planned Parenthood on the side of the freeway right there. And I began to weep uncontrollably. What if this could be the place where something began to stir? What if this could be the place where suddenly across this city it became like a sonic boom of his presence see there's a remnant rising and what you've got to understand is Zephaniah 312 but I will leave I will leave within you the meek and the humble the remnant of Israel will trust in the name of the Lord see God is looking for those that are just a little bit hungry and a little bit ticked off in this room I love what St. Augustine said. One of my favorite, favorite quotes. Augustine said this. He said, courage has two beautiful daughters. And, 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 uh, or excuse me, hope has two beautiful daughters. Their names are anger and courage. Anger at the way things are and courage to see that they do not remain so. So you must follow me for a second. But here's the problem in the body of Christ. The remnant must hear the knocking of the door. Several years ago, I was with Keith Doherty in New York City and and uh, Keith pastors and pastor at the time in New Jersey and and uh, now is a youth pastor at Mercy Gate and and we were in the city and 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 uh, all of a sudden we were eating at a restaurant and an Italian place and in downtown and down in the city and and all of a sudden a homeless man was standing at the window looking at us and for some reason I I, I don't know something I, 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 I'm ashamed to tell you this but I turned my back to him to kind of hover over my wife and son. And on with the evening, got to my hotel room that night. And he's, the Lord said to me, why'd you do that? I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I just felt threatened. I don't know why I did that. He said, he said you need to understand that beggar, that beggar represents my spirit. He said, everyone's sitting in the church eating and they've locked him outside and left him as a beggar begging to get back in because they don't really want his presence. And let's see, you've got to understand the Holy Spirit is moving. In Genesis 1, it says it rokas. It means it covers. It hovers across the land. He is moving. And the Holy Spirit never stops moving. But the light of Christ seems to be on vacation right now. And God says, I'm wanting to move. And I was laying on my bed and the Lord began to speak to me. And I'm weeping that night, laying in bed. He said, you don't understand, son. I move in procession. That's why in Genesis, he went from El. 
El, you know, El Shaddai, the El's is, is, is a being state. He, he said to Adam, I am El and Elohim, mighty and big. But then when Adam messed up, he changed his name to Jehovah. He went from being to doing. And all through his word, he shifts from being to doing. And what you gotta realize is God says, I'm, I'm doing. I'll go from El Shaddai, the being to, to, to all of a sudden, Jehovah Jireh, the provider. He said, I have the power to keep moving. I haven't stopped going anywhere. But the problem with the church is we don't really allow him to do his thing anymore. In fact, it reminds me of the, of the stern warning at Ephesus of Revelation chapter two. It says, but you walked away from your first love. What's going on with you? Do you have any idea how far you've fallen a Lucifer fall? Turn back. Recover your dear early love. No time to waste for I'm well on my way to removing your light from the golden circle. Did did Ephesus, because Paul was speaking, or John, uh, Jesus was speaking in Revelation 2 about Ephesus. What about when Paul warned them in in Ephesians? He talked in Ephesians 4 verse 30. And do not grieve the, the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brandon. Sounds like a board meeting, doesn't it? I'm learning that when we lose our first love, we've created an artificial environment. So I'm I'm giving you a state of something before I go to the upper room. And we're going there in a moment. We're going to the remnant. But God began to speak to me a couple days ago. He said, he said, son, don't you see? Look at Revelation, the third chapter. It it says to the angel of the church in Sardis, right? These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You got a reputation being alive, but you're really dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your deeds unfinished in the sight of God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold on to it, fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief. And you will not know at what time I will come to you. The whole time our nation. God began to speak to me about our nation being tongue-tied. Verse 17 goes on speaking to the church. You're rich and. You're not in need of anything. In our nation where we're preaching greasy grace. Verse 17 says you you don't even realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And God began to speak to me. We are the Laodicean church in America right now. We don't need anything. And then we jump to verse 20. And everybody loves to use this verse right here because it's a description of of it's a description of you know we love to use it for salvation but what you've got to understand it has it's not a salvation verse he's speaking to the church he said here i am i'm banging on the door but humanism has invaded our nation the number one bumper sticker in America is the coexist bumper sticker. I, I saw it when I was doing my Taken series, which was birth when my son was being recruited by football universities to play ball. And they were telling me when we go visit places, we're going to teach Nate how to think correctly. And, and it made me mad. So I wrote that Taken series and, and I noticed the number one bumper sticker in America right now. I've even seen it on church vans. And in fact, my little girl saw it on an older lady's T-shirt in the airport. And Abby walked up to her and said, that's a bad T-shirt. And I said, Abby, I said, Abby, you come here right now. I'm going to buy you something, girl. Come here. That's her love language. 
But I began to study the coexist bumper sticker and it began to tick me off. And some of you heard me talk about this because I've seen it everywhere. And it, it basically says Islam and Buddhism and science and Judaism and paganism and Wiccan and Christianity. It's all the same. And I was getting angry and angry in my prayer room as I was writing my series on how to defend your faith. And, and, and the Lord said, Pat, don't get mad. Look what they did. They preached my gospel. They started with Ishmael, but they ended with Isaac. Look what they did, Pat. You can try all those things. Islam and Buddhism and science and Judaism and paganism and Wiccan. But sooner or later, everything ends up at the cross because every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Humanism has invaded our nation. It's invaded our pulpits. I'm going somewhere. And, and we, it's about what we can do. Well, let me tell you something, church. If, if, if he removed his touch from me, I couldn't find my way back home. There's nothing I can pull off without him. And our humanistic values that have removed God from our today and make him a memory of yesterday. I'm tired of talking about yesterday. I'm tired of talking about the things that we used to do and used to see. I love what David Wilkerson said. He said the success philosophy preached today is a repackaged message from Norman Vincent Peale with few exceptions. We stand and declare who we are across this nation in the pulpits because we have not had a fresh revelation of who he is. And when I am declaring who I am, I have lost that fresh revelation of who he is because we're afraid to preach on the fire for fear of empty chairs and empty coffers. But God is saying, what church will I enter into? He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. A lot of people don't know why he's called the lion of the tribe of Judah. Read Genesis 39. Why in the world did he come from the fourth son of Jacob, the fourth son of Israel? Man, a lot of people don't understand it. Well, we know that the first son was Reuben, who, who committed incest with his father's wife, Bilhah, in Genesis 35. And then we know that he couldn't come from the second or third son which was Simeon and Levi because they had blood on their hands from killing the Shechemites because they were angry and they got revenge on the Shechemites for raping their sister Dinah in Genesis 49. So in other words, God said, I cannot come from incest and revenge. I must come from praise. And Judah means praise and thankfulness. And the reason why, follow me for a second, the reason why he's not in our churches anymore in America is because he won't walk into churches that have forgotten who's out there and all they can do is reproduce inside the house when God says go out and make disciples go out and get them and the other problem is in the body of Christ he said I had to come from the fourth son which completion the bringing together of all these things and what you've got to realize is God says I'm looking for a church that will praise me and I definitely won't be in a church of revenge a church that's birthed out of anger because somebody got mad and went down the street and decided to open that thing up and God says I'm looking for the church that can do what we did tonight praise and thankfulness and glory the reason why he showed up tonight is because it was a about him somebody praise him I asked him I said God why won't you let me preach my youth camp messages anymore he said because I am exposing you to a new fire I'm take I've walked you through some things and Pat I want you to get up and preach and if they don't like it it doesn't matter anymore it's not about going back to a hotel and worrying about whether I'll get invited back he said you go and you begin to declare and if you'll walk in purity and stay on your face son I will use you to speak words that people have stopped saying are you with me 
One of my heroes, Leonard Ravenhill, made the statement, America needs a Joan of Arc. The British need, need another Boadicea to, to wage war on her immorality. Both nations need another Jeremiah weeping over their sins. Another John the Baptist to call them to repentance. Another Elijah to bring fire down from heaven that the multitude may cry again. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And we're living in tough times because the church won't answer the door. All through the books of the, the gospels, all through the letters of the church, all through he's in the church, he's pouring out his spirit. But by the time he gets to our season, the Laodicean church, he's banging, let me in. I'm 42 years old. And my heart's cry is to see the fire I grew up in. Well, I don't want to go back because I like my Mac. I like my iPhone. I just want to experience his glory again. In a time where there's very few voices that will stand up when our president declares that he has evolved in marriage. Um, can I get on this? I'm sorry, and if this offends anybody, it's not meant that way because it's set out of love. But my generation tolerated a corner of society and said, oh, they're just there. And now that corner of society is now directing the very ship of our nation. And I'm so tired. And it's the problem is, the problem is, is because people are wounded and hurting. We let them live in their sin and we don't want to speak against it because then we'll be considered bigots. But God says, I'm looking for a church that will stand up and say, this thing called marriage is about a man and a woman. Matthew 19, it's about people standing up and saying let's keep purity the covenant of God what is blessed by God and when our president says he's evolved I said no sir you didn't evolve forward something's going on do you know I could I think I told you this I could not even sleep that night I went to bed weeping I wrote a letter to Benjamin Netanyahu repenting for how we're treating Israel I did. I said, I don't want to, I don't want that. No. I want to be blessed. In a generation where we have Walmart churches because we no longer, we would, we would rather clone everybody, look like me, dress like me, act like me, instead of birthing something new. And God says, I'm looking for the church that will rise up in this house and open the door. I'm looking for a remnant of people that don't care anymore. It doesn't matter if I offend somebody. I'm so amazed that people go, we don't want to offend them. We don't talk about that Holy Spirit anymore. And they don't even understand the act outpouring of the Holy Spirit is the greatest gift of grace given to the body of Christ because it went from on him to now on us he's saying it don't matter how dirty you used to be I will pour my spirit out on you season when Israel's the Arab spring is now Israel's winter God says I'm looking and the sin of the religious is to flee from responsibility and I'm so tired of a nation that builds their theology off their pain and God says, I'm looking for an outpouring. I'm looking for a stirring, but I'm just looking for a vessel, a rag, a people that are hungry. I love what Ravenhill said. I looked this up uh, about two weeks ago on the plane. I just had to find it. I remember reading it in my early years of ministry and why revival tarries. He said, he said, maybe we, nay, surely we need 10 days in an upper room or maybe more suitable for us to basement to mourn the departed glory, to apologize for our arrogance and preaching so long without a national revival. The last revival mentioned in the Old Testament is found in the book of the prophet Joel. He proclaimed a solemn feast and said, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep between the porch and the altars. Well, let's face it, Raven Hill said. Who does that? Go ahead and call me a zealot. 
Then you just kind of put me in line with the guy named John the Baptist, Samuel, Elijah, Elisha, and Jesus. Oh, I must get ready to close. But the remnant that chose to go higher, the group of people that said, if it costs me everything, I'm going to march up some stairs. He told me tonight, tell them, remind them. We all know what happened at the cross. Grace, turn it down so. Go with me to the cross where our freedom was purchased. Hebrews 9 chapter says he was our mediator in our covenant. With one hand he touched God on the cross and the other hand he touched humanity. He became the middleman, the ransom, the one that was dropped. The cross is everything and he died and then he rose and then 50 days later something happened. We know that 712 years before Jesus prophet Isaiah spoke of the book of Acts in Isaiah 28 verse 11 he said very well then with foreign lips and strange tongues God will speak to this people to whom he said this is the resting place let us let the weary rest this is the place of repose but they would not listen we know that Jesus rose from the dead we know that in John the 20th chapter he walks into an upper room and the disciples are there they had not had a chance to have a salvation altar call so he said I'm going to breathe on you and he breathed upon them and that is where they received the spirit then we know in Luke 24 that he gave a promise to the remnant he said he said hey I'm going to pour my spirit out we know that the apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 there was probably about 500 people in Luke 24 49 I'm going to send you what my father has promised but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high The moment before the breakthrough is when those that we refer to as as should have been usually leave. I'm always amazed at Jesus' first and last miracle. His first miracle was turning water into wine, turning putting the wine in. In the Hebrew, was always represented by the word joy, and and and. But then he his last miracle was once again taking vessels and putting joy in them. chapter 1 verse 8 he said but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth Houston, Texas, United States and the world 500 heard the command but something happened something happened somewhere between the command and actually walking up the stairs this is really the first church split 120 of which showed up in the upper room but 500 heard I I, kind of don't understand it It was really the first changing of denominations the denominational split right there you know what I've learned suddenlies are always preceded by obedience and I found that the cross of grace is my everything but I, I also need the room of fire 
So 120 go into an upper room and they sit there for 10 days. For 10 days they cried out. For 10 days they mourned. For 10 days they knew that their life was going to be in danger when they walked out of that room because they must spread the gospel. For 10 days this 120 are sitting there. And in Acts, the second chapter, the fulfillment of all things takes place. The promise of John 14, John 16, the promise that he would pour a spirit out, the promise that he would baptize in spirit, the promise that he went throughout all of time. And suddenly we know what happens. It says, and when the day of Pentecost came upon the remnant, they were all together in one place and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Tongues? Why tongues, Pat? Why couldn't he just told us to do the Macarena? You want me to let this thing do that? Yeah. Because James, the third chapter, verse 8, he says the tame is the most, un- the only thing in your body that, that, excuse me, the tongue is the only thing that cannot be tamed. But when God gets a hold of it, he says, I can tame anything. He said, I'm talking to everybody in here that walks around and you've got curse words on the edge of your tongue. You've got curses on the edge of your tongue. You're speaking death all the time. God says, when I get a hold of your tongue, you and I will be in harmony. Miracles will begin to happen. The reason why he chose the tongue, because if he gets the tongue, it guides the ship. If he gets the tongue, it changes the way you see and the way you walk and the miracles that come your way so that's why he said i'm going to baptize you with tongues and they had gone up the stairs sitting christians hatch hypocrites it's gonna get intense i'm almost done and a remnant was born a group that said, I think, um, I, I loved your cross. But I also want your fire. I want the very spirit that was upon you that allowed you to be crucified to take me up some stairs so I can be crucified. I want to walk into a place with a group of believers of remnant that will walk up and show up on a Sunday night in Houston when everybody else is usually doing nothing and laying there watching the TV. He says, I'm looking for a generation that will climb higher. It's for it's it's second Kings 19. Those that will go higher, a remnant shall come forth. And I'm looking at God's word. And in Acts 239, Simon Peter, the ultimate failure, walked out on Solomon's colonnade and preaches and says it's not just for you it's for the generations to come In Acts 4.31, the place was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 8, we know Philip preached and laid hands on the Samaritans and they were filled with the Spirit. In Acts chapter 9, Paul was saved and was filled with the Spirit. Acts chapter 9, verse 31, the church was encouraged and refreshed by the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 10, Cornelius' house was saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues. 23 years later, Acts chapter 19, Paul's in Ephesus and the Bible says, suddenly in, the, in Ephesus they began to speak in other tongues. First Corinthians 12, the gifts were for the church throughout all the ages. 1 Corinthians 12, different gifts, including speaking in tongues. 1 Corinthians 14, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 14, tongues are a sign. 
Smith Wigglesworth was asked, why do you say all the time? Excuse me. Smith Wigglesworth made the statement. I must give you the quote from Wigglesworth. Because it was Spurgeon that was asked one time. They asked him, they said, why do you preach all the time? You say you must, that every day you must be filled with the Holy Spirit. He said, because I leak. I love what Wigglesworth said. He said, I've met many men, many of men who cannot tell you the day they received salvation. But I tell you, I have never met a man who could not tell you the day he was baptized in spirit fire. And this is it. I'm done. What separated this group? The 120, 100 represents the number biblically is the election process. 20 is expectancy. So it was an elected group that walked in expectancy. What was the three things? Let me give you three steps to the upper room and, and then I'll close it. it no, number one, it was the right time. God chooses timing. He lays out appointed time, Kairos time. He, he puts time together. Could this night be the appointed time? They were desperate. They waited 10 days. 10 equals completeness in divine order. The beginning of one period and the ending of another. A different dispensation. 10 always represents one dispensation ending and a new one starting. They, they were up there for 10 days. They didn't complain. They didn't whine. They didn't gripe about how the sound system sounded. They didn't gripe about somebody getting their spot or their parking place. They just sat there. They understood this was the time it was the right time he said go and they understood go doesn't start with an end for no it has a go it's two-thirds of god's name go he said i'm looking for a group of people that will go and then then this is it i'm done come on worship team he told me to preach tonight is there a remnant in this room he told me to ask you is there a remnant that will arise is there a group of people that will praise when no one else will is there a group of people that will show up and dance and cry out he said it's, what if it started tonight what if the glory fell in this room tonight what if there was a stirring in the atmosphere and see, number one it was the right time number two it was the right attitude they checked their religion at the door when they turned the doorknob of that upper room they understood I'm not coming out until I get something and they were one mind and one accord a group of people that had lost out with society a group of people that one million would die and within the first hundred years of Christ dying on the cross a group of people that their families would be fed to the lions a group of people that would be burned at the stakes by Rome a group of people that understood this is our moment and they understood what it said in 2 Kings 19 verse 30 that a remnant shall rise from Jerusalem and what you got to realize is God says I'm looking for a remnant a rag a group of people that will simply allow me to take them mold them stir them I'm looking for a group of people that will simply be this in my hand it was they had a different attitude it wasn't about church it wasn't about who sees me it wasn't about how I dance it doesn't worry it's not about whether or not I get stage time it doesn't matter if my pastor says hi to me I'm gonna go up there and sit I'm gonna rock back and forth over in this side of the room was the ultimate failure Simon Peter who had heard the cock crow on the other side was one that loved Jesus so much that his heart was exploding. He missed him so badly. But he had said, as he ascended, go sit, wait, Terry! Sitting right here was a beautiful little woman that knew what it was like to walk through town with her belly sticking out, being made fun of. A virgin. And all it took I wonder, I wonder how many people walked towards Jerusalem and said, I, I can't, I can't do this right now. I've already sacrificed enough at the cross. 
it was the right attitude. It was the an attitude. It was the right time. It was the right attitude. I'm not going to be mad at anybody anymore. I just want, I just, I I need this. I I keep messing up. I I don't know why. I just keep messing up and my flesh keeps winning. But I tell you what, I'm just, see church, you got to understand I've been all over this world. And there are times when I miss my wife so bad and all hell walks into my hotel room and all I can do is I want to get kicked out of a hotel for praying too loud. And this is it. This is it. This is it. And then the third thing is, is, is it was the right place. It was the right time. It was the right attitude. It was the right place. God chooses places. The word place in the Bible is epi. And we, that's where we get the word epicenter. The, the, the very beginning, the, the center of an earthquake. It was the right place. It was the right place. There was a moment where they arrived. It's, there's a moment where the pastors in this room said, you know, I'm looking at this letter and this invite. And I, I, I normally would throw this away, but I just feel like there's more. I just feel like I need to go be a part of a kingdom thing. I need to go to a room where a bunch of people, where I don't have to put on on airs where I don't have to where I don't have to act like anything. I can just pray in tongues and it's not weird anymore. I don't have to worry about going on a retreat to do it, but instead I can do it right in the middle of my house. Let me tell you something. It was the right place. God moves upon places before he moves across people. Long before you ever born, he was standing right here in this field saying someday they'll walk to the front and they'll get baptized in my fire and I will send out witnesses. Witnesses, somebody that will die for me, somebody that'll pay the price. Could this be the room it was the right place it was the right time it was the right attitude could this i was scheduled to be in california today and the lord said no is there a remnant in this room is there any rags He was the bolt. And Paul spoke of us. He said in Romans 11, 5, so too at the present time, there's a remnant chosen by grace. All I can hear when I go to bed at night is 71-year-old man speaks into my life. Pastor Bunky. Looked at me in January and said, Pat, no one's getting them filled with the Holy Ghost. And I'm done. But could this be the night that the glory drops on a room? Could this be the night we'll tell our grandchildren of? Could this be the night that an invasion of his power hits the room and we I know what it's like as a pastor. My church started church from ground zero and I said, okay, do I want to be like one of those people? Because Lord, I'm not going to grow in a Baptist town called Birmingham. And if I do this Holy Spirit thing, I'm not going to do it. And for nine months I wrestled and, and, and uh, Pastor Larry Stockstill said to me, Pat, you, you've got to get him baptized in So we're going to do two things. The Holy Spirit's going to hit the room in just a moment. And 
our church exploded with fire because we didn't hide anymore. We didn't. We didn't. I'm always amazed how this generation got rocked by the Holy Spirit, but they're too selfish to share it with those they're called to raise up. And this is what I hear over this house. He told me that there's going to come a moment in the next few seconds. I pray that my grandchildren speak of this night as a night when the church in Houston stood tall as we celebrate the birth of the first church. Well, I've been baptized in the Holy Ghost for years, Pat. I know. But if you're still living off an experience 20 years ago, somewhere along the way, you forgot he was new every morning. And he told me to come and tell you. In the last days, I will pour my spirit out on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. I've preached to two million teenagers across this world. And they're going to prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And upon my bride, upon my sons and daughters, I will pour my spirit out. Could this be the night? Why? How do I get it? Just ask. What if I don't get it? Can't mess it up. How do I get it? Dad, can I have my gift? It says to eagerly desire the gifts. Stand with me across this house. Oh, I feel his presence. It says eagerly desire the gifts. Eagerly desire. He told me, I've got 20 conferences this summer, 20 20 of different places. And he said, you must tell them this summer that if they're not baptized in fire, they're not going to make it. I've never said this to Nate, but it was one of the greatest days of my life. As at 10 years old on Easter Sunday morning, he got filled with the Spirit. What are we going to do from this point on? I guess we need to ask yourself, is it the right time? Is there a remnant in this room that will rise? Is this the right time? Is this the right time? I must ask again because I don't think you're convinced. Is this the right time? Is there any pastors, any shepherds in here that are saying, I've got to have more. Do we have the right attitude? One mind and one accord. Prove it. Lift your hands and cry out to God now. Come on, cry out. I want to hear you from the balcony to the corners to the altar area. His presence is about to hit. There is a stirring over the atmosphere, a whirlwind of his glory. He's about to send forth a wind of his presence. He has spoken. There's going to be people healed. God is going to begin to ignite into people's lives. It's going to flow up out and you're going to begin to pray in a new tongue in just a moment. It's rising up. Why the tongue? Because if he's got your tongue, he will steer your life new ways. If he's got your tongue, he's got the bit of the horse. If he's got your tongue, he's got your seed.